Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Eastland, I'm Mike. Tommy and Kevin are here, but their mics are not on. This is the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks podcast. But a few weeks ago, our man Martin at NPR's Only a Game podcast interviewed us for a story he is doing on the Mighty Ducks and Iceland. And that story has now come out. Martin has been kind enough to share the whole episode with us. So instead of an episode of us this week, we are going to play the entire Only a Game episode that came out last week. And enjoy, and we'll see you hopefully next week, unless one of us cancels. So, with that, take a listen. This is only a game. I'm Charlotte Wilder, in for Bill Littlefield. Kevin Cullen has never been to Iceland, but he grew up with a pretty clear impression of the country's people. I pictured Iceland as these, like, big bullies. If you were also raised in the 90s, you probably know why. Iceland physically dominated the first game between these two teams, and they'll try to do it again tonight. D2, the second and clearly the best movie in Disney's Mighty Ducks trilogy, was released in 1994. It pitted the lovable Ducks against Team Iceland, who were, to quote the Ducks, bigger, stronger, faster, and had more facial hair. Iceland, the bad guys. Only a game's Martin Kessler has this story. Iceland, when you grew up in the 90s, all you think of is the Mighty Ducks. That's Tommy Magelson, who, along with Kevin Cullen and Mike Florick, co-hosts the Quack Attack podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks podcast. Yes, it's a real thing. For those unfamiliar with the film, Team Iceland isn't your generic sports movie villain. These guys are talented hockey players. They trounced the Ducks 12 to 1 in their first meeting. And they're scary. They've got a huge Viking logo on their black jerseys. They take cheap shots. And in one particularly dark scene, Iceland's coach comes upon the Ducks playing around with a beach ball. Picks up the beach ball. He's got this weird, like, smarmy look on his face. He maintains eye contact with the Ducks and just crushes it. Literally crushes that childish dream. I remember being so impressed, though, that he crushed (laughs) a beach ball with his bare hands. But here's the thing that Kevin, Tommy, and most other Mighty Ducks fans didn't know when they first loaded D2 into their VCRs. Not only is the real Iceland home to at least a few good people, hockey is not popular in the country. At the time D2 came out, Iceland had just joined the International Ice Hockey Federation. There were only two rinks in the entire country, and neither had roofs. Which all leads to one big question. Why the hell was Iceland picked to be the villain? That story begins with a man named Steve Brill. 
After graduating from college in the mid-80s, Steve moved to L.A., hoping to make it as a writer. He got some acting roles. Nothing of note, but you could see me and miss me in many big movies throughout the 80s and 90s. Back then, Steve lived in a dingy apartment in Culver City. He calls it a hovel. I was literally looking, the guy looking for quarters in the sofa to go down to the 7-Eleven and get ramen noodles. Steve didn't have too much going on, so he spent a lot of time skating at a local ice rink. And he got the idea to write a screenplay about a peewee hockey team from Minnesota. This would, of course, become the first Mighty Ducks movie. Ducks stick together, right? Yeah! So let's see it. Show me the flying V. I was just thrilled to have a movie that, you know, my parents could go see in New York. My grandmother would see in Miami. I thought that was the coolest thing. And then it became a, a pretty substantial hit for Disney. Steve was called in for a meeting with Disney's CEO, Michael Eisner. He said, I need another Mighty Ducks movie immediately. And I was like, oh, well, you know, that, that shouldn't be hard. I can do it over the summer. I can do it. I'll probably get it done in six months, and then we can shoot it. And he was like, no, 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 I need it in two weeks. And I remember being smart enough to not say that's insane, but thinking, you can't write a script in two weeks. But I didn't say that, and I walked out. I don't remember the meeting to be exactly that. That's Mighty Ducks producer Jordan Kerner. Steve's memory being that he's much younger, maybe sharper than mine. Is that pretty quick turnaround? That would be extremely quick, which is why I'm being very polite about it. (laughs) Um, So maybe it was a little more than two weeks. But regardless, the pressure was on to deliver a worthy sequel. In the first movie, and apologies for giving away the surprise, the ragtag ducks managed to take down their number one rival, the Hawks, a team of rich suburban kids. For the second movie, the stakes had to be higher. In D2, the ducks were going to represent Team USA at the fictional Junior Goodwill Games, and they needed an international rival. The obvious choice was Russia. Although Russia had just gone through Glasnost and there was a thawing in relationship. Things may have changed politically a little since then, but they weren't a villain. And we certainly didn't want to encourage anybody looking at them as a villain. So Russia was out. So I scanned the globe in my head. And my first thought would be, of course, the villains would be the Germans. The Germans are just the go-to from Die Hard to everywhere. You have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Good evening, Fraulein. You have no business here, Jamaica. But after further review and careful consideration, and I can't remember what else except maybe because it was so obvious and I didn't want to pick on the Germans, I put them aside and then I thought, well, what if we could create another entity that people don't know that much about and therefore I could have the latitude to create them any way I wanted. So Steve and Jordan were on the hunt for a cold-weather country that people wouldn't know much about. Which brings us to a daytime soap opera. Around the same time that Steve was asked to write the second Ducks movie, a TV show called Santa Barbara was finishing a nine-season run. Jordan had become friends with a talented young actress on the show. Her name was Maria Ellingsen. I'm Maria, Maria Ellingsen. I'm born and raised in Iceland. On the soap, Maria played an East German. A very innocent German girl who was surprised at seeing bananas, wondering where they grew, and just being so blue-eyed. I should get going. I've never stayed out for a whole night. You know, I was sort of tired of being the angelic, blonde, Icelandic woman. 
So just when Steve and Jordan were looking for the Ducks' next rival, Maria Ellingsen, from Iceland, was ready for a heel turn. The fates seemed to be aligning. I remember probably jumping up and down like, Iceland, of course! They're from Iceland! Get it? Iceland! Except there were some issues. Steve didn't know much about Iceland. He'd never been. No, this was back in the 90s. I don't think they had airplanes there. (laughs) I don't think there was a way to get there. So I'm sure in your early research, you figured out that Iceland was in fact not a a hockey powerhouse. Um, (laughs) Did you worry that people might call you out on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. Oh, when I did, (laughs) that's so funny. I just had to cast that annoying fact aside. So it was settled. Iceland, population 260,000, no countrymen to ever reach the NHL, would be the team to beat, and Maria Ellingson would join the team's contemptible coaching staff. Steve shot himself up in his new apartment. Thanks to the success of Ducks 1, he had moved out of the hovel, and he wrote. Steve said he met his deadline with minutes to spare, and the movie went into production. The next task? Turning a bunch of young American actors into Icelandic goons. We all had to dye our hair blonde. <laughs> That's Scott White, who was cast to play Team Iceland's star player, Gunnar Stahl. Scott and the rest of the faux Icelanders were given simple instructions. Look very serious. <laughs> Just give menacing looks. But Scott also had some lines. Luckily, Mario was there on set to help with his Icelandic accent. And for a while, that arrangement worked. Here's Scott in an early scene. Father what does that mean? You'll find out. But toward the end of filming, when they were shooting some of the most important scenes, Scott was given some new lines that he hadn't been able to practice. Maria wasn't there. And so it got to that moment where we had to shoot those scenes, and it was like, all right, Scott, let's do this. And so I just sort of went for it, and those lines just sound like I'm completely Russian or something else. Good work, Captain Duck. Thanks, Gunner. And I'm like, good work, Captain Duck. <laughs> and it became like, wait a second, what, is he Icelandic or Russian? And I think at that time, if you said, hey, here's a map, just point out where Russia is and point out where Iceland is, I think I, I would have thought maybe they were just right next to each other. I'm not quite sure. I'm not in any way saying that I deserve an Academy Award for that performance. Maybe not. But still, the co-hosts of the Quack Attack podcast say Team Iceland is one of the best parts of the Ducks trilogy. I mean, it also gave us an excuse to learn a little bit about Iceland. Like, if this movie hadn't happened, could you give me, like, one fact about Iceland? Yeah, I'm really curious as to what, like, how did D2 go over in Iceland? That's a great question. My name is Helgi Paul Thorison from Reykjavik, Iceland. Helgi Pak Thorsen is the vice president of the Icelandic Hockey Federation. He played on Iceland's national hockey team for 10 years. But when D2 Muddy Ducks came out in 1994, Helgi was 16 years old. He says his entire junior team, 25 guys, decided to see the movie in theaters after practice one Friday. They'd heard Iceland was featured. And I was like super excited. I knew that we were going to be like the bad guys in the movie of a sort. I didn't... I didn't realize it's going to be portrayed like we crushing the, the, the young guys and then the team. Hold up! Go! Destroy it! Gotta be two minutes. Two minutes well worth it. We were like, you know, <laughs> a little bit disappointed on seeing the Iceland team with just goons just beating the mic ducks up. And of course, the poor Icelandic. And I said, this is not us. We don't, we don't do this. No. <laughs> 
Helke says that after D2 came out, all his friends asked him if hockey was really like that, with guys just beating each other up. Helke says he told them no, there were more rules in real life. But even so, Helke says more Icelandic kids started putting on hockey skates. Maria Ellingsen, the actress who played one of Team Iceland's coaches, saw her own niece pick up the sport. She says no one asked her to help coach. No. (laughs) I guess my reputation had been ruined. (laughs) Soccer, handball, and basketball are still Iceland's most popular sports. But since D2 came out, Iceland got a third ice rink, and the original two got roofs. And just for the record, Helki Pakthorsson says he's never crushed an opponent's beach ball. I asked him if he wanted to say anything to all the Americans who might have grown up with the wrong impression of Icelanders. Well, my message to uh, American people is basically pack your hockey gear and come over here and, and play a couple of games with us. And can you promise that you guys will be kinder to the Americans than the Team Iceland in the movie? No, I cannot. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we treat people nice here. It will be fun, I promise you. Mighty Ducks screenwriter Steve Brill says he's in. And I will bring a beach ball. And we'll see what happens, man. And then we'll see what happens. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I haven't listened to it at the time I'm recording, but I'm going to say I enjoyed it as well. Uh, you can follow Only a Game at Only a Game NPR on Twitter. Go to NPR, search Only a Game. I'm sure you can find it there as well. A thank you to Martin for uh, interviewing us, making us part of it. I'm not sure how much of our interview actually made it in, but I'm hoping at least a snippet. And for us, thequackdeck.com, go there, contact us at quackdeckpod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quackdeckpod. Go to iTunes, give us five stars, tell us what you thought of NPR's Only a Game podcast on the Mighty Ducks. Uh, keep using that affiliate link from Amazon. It's doing well. It's doing real well. So uh, we appreciate that. It, it helps a lot. Tommy dropped something. That's why we were all laughing. And it's a water bottle from Fiesta. And with that, remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Right back. Ain't no turning back. Not to be.